Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons. We've got Katie Flower here. We're finishing off our series this week, just before the fantasy playoffs here in another week's time, with our Tough to Rank and Value series. we got tight end, and we're each going to contribute two names that we think are tough to really peg dynasty-wise where they sit. Could be a lot of twists and turns of late. Could just be a confusing profile uh, with where we stand here finishing out at 2022. So, Katie, tight end position is a lot of have and have-nots. And so we've got a little mixed bag of people who people consider have or have-nots based on this list. But basically, it's a position that if you don't have one of the top guys and that number wavers uh, with what we're seeing right now in terms of production, then it really doesn't matter all that much. So valuing them correctly is definitely one of the key watchwords and tenants here. Oh, absolutely. And it's just been a strange year uh, injury wise and quarterback wise and targets wise. So I can't wait to get into it with you. My first guy I'm going to nominate is Mr. Kyle Pitts. Um, round one, pick four overall, uh, over a thousand year, uh, yards in his rookie season. Hadn't happened since 1964. So he's already proven a bit of a unicorn. And even then, he was tight end 10 on average points per game in standard PPR, not including, you know, one and a half or two point PPR. Then this year with a new quarterback, new situation, uh, Maybe more mouths to feed with Drake London there. He's down to 7.56 from 10.86, three points per game less, and finishes tight end 20, um, injured, done for the year, right around the same place as a guy like Noah Fant. So he's already ordained as, as like tight end two, tight end three, but there's no way. I try to trade him away on one of my contending teams because he's injured and I, there is no IR, so there's. I needed some help. I couldn't. I wasn't going to give him away, but they, they were expecting me to pretty much just give him away. He's not being valued injured as a tight end two or tight end three. Well, and I think part of that is he wasn't producing like that before he got injured. You know, right. I, I mean, I I've deemed this the lost year for Kyle Pitts, and it'll be interesting uh, as someone who looks a lot at career arcs and trajectories and you know comps and things like that, that I think it's going to be interesting to see two, three years from now, is this a blip or was this a harbinger of things to come? Because we've seen production early on. Now, as you said, not to the extent that we saw Pitts, especially yardage-wise, he didn't have the touchdowns last year of just coming in. And obviously he had huge expectations. You go that highly in the draft and you better be an absolute juggernaut and pretty much right away. So he showed a lot of that. I do wonder, you know, part of the reason he's tough to rank and value is situationally, he's got a situ, uh, you know, he's got Arthur Smith that if you want to look at track records now, he never had a Kyle Pitts player, but it was more of a run centric attack. 
if they improve a little bit at quarterback. That's a variable. We don't even know what they're going to do in the offseason. Is Desmond Ritter going to get a shot? Are they going to draft someone? Are they going to trade or sign someone? And you know, is that going to fix anything next year? This is not a good passing game. At least Cal, uh, at least Calvin Ridley will not be back. You know, that's one more mouth potentially to feed. But if this is a low volume attack, Kyle Pitts could be great, but there's a limitation. There's a ceiling there. And to take a step back like he did this year, tightened 18, 19, 20, somewhere in that range, adjusted points per game on how you're going to move players that missed a bunch of time. But it's not really a good look here that that he took a step back and he's going to be valued, as you said. I mean, you can't really, as you said, give him away. But at the same token, it, it is you don't know what you're going to get. And the assumption is he better produce a top two or three seasons soon to justify the cost, the hype, and 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 the mega expectations is one of the main things. Yeah, it, it that's what makes it so tough. Because <laughs> we've seen it, we've seen the we've seen flashes. But here's one thing I'll ask, Katie. I almost wonder they're using him like a wide receiver, a big you know. If you want to say Calvin Johnson or whatever, he's not Calvin Johnson. But if you're using him like a wide receiver, I almost wonder if that's a detriment because he's not going to get as many safety coverage. He's not going to get as much. Uh, linebacker coverage like a traditional tight end would get. And I almost wonder in the big picture, does that make it... I mean, if he gets a good quarterback, then all will be fine, I'm sure. They're going to see him for the tight, for the matchup nightmare he is. But I wonder if he does not have that or does not get that for some time, if that's going to be a detriment because he's going to see corners, 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 and they're going to be right on him. So you need to have do those trust throws that my radius guy is going to beat your guy that's six inches shorter. So I just wonder if that if his uh, ambiguity of position, let's say, or and how he's being used, if that's actually a detriment for now or how we've seen through two years. Um, I did want to point out one other thing that you know, looking at comps, looking at first year, uh, round one guys, and obviously he's an elite round one guy. That uh, if they if you don't produce a top six season through the first couple of years, only about half get there which I thought was interesting. You thought it'd be higher and only three of 17 peers that I found peaked out in a top three season. Again, Pitts can be the unicorn. He can do all this stuff. I just wonder if expectations and probabilities are just too high right now. That would, that would be, but like you said, it's falling, right? I mean, I don't know what, what, what type of tight end prices were they offering to you when you were shopping tight end five, six, seven. I mean, was it egregiously low? Not, I, I wasn't getting counters on what I oh, thought okay. were reasonable offers and no, they, they didn't even want to talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. My first, my first player. It, well, here, well, actually let me, let me say this. If you have a lot of concern about Kyle Pitts and you know, if you believe half of the things I just said as reasons possibly for concern, what's the reasonable low point you could have him within the position tied in three or four. Uh, I don't do ranking, so I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. You can't really put him much lower than that, right? I know that you've got position. him. You've got him at like three, and three, DLF yeah. has him at two. Yeah, and that seems to be where. Well, he was going one in the off season, a decent amount. So yeah, and um, well, let me start with my first guy because he's in the, he's in the same zone, which is Mister Mister uh, George Kittle, and what makes it difficult for me is we've seen him be a monster producer. 
he's been one that he's basically been for four straight years. He's almost been on that Mark Andrews uh, track, you know, top three, four every single year. This year, more like tight end seven. And he's t- he, this was the glaring thing. 10 points per game behind Travis Kelsey. 10. He's four points per game behind Mark Andrews. So right now you can't say, oh, well, he's in that group. He's not in that group. He's part of the everybody else. And I just wonder, is the situation going to get any better? You got Debo Samuel locked in. You got Brandon Ayuk locked in. Christian McCaffrey, heavy competition for targets. Trey Lance, the starter in 2023. And then you look over and you say, well, he's been in the top eight for five straight years. He has one of those rare blue chip production profiles. But right now, he's not even anywhere close to the the, the top guys. And is it going to get better? We know he's a monster talent. Situationally, though, it stinks. It stinks to, for him to actually get five, six, seven targets a game. We, we cannot project that. Could he pop for a game for 30 points? Absolutely. But we cannot project that to happen any particular week. Or I mean, it, it would almost surprise us at this point in time. So I, I think it's really difficult because you have a guy that's 29, big-time talent, unquestioned talent. But, I mean, does he have... Like, like for example, who, who has a better chance of finishing top three next year? Kyle Pitts? George Kittle, I, I mean, someone else, someone that hasn't been there, done that. So the historical part of me says you bank on George Kittle. If his price falls, you bank on him more because it's cheaper and you do all this. But part of me says he's 29. He's had some injuries. If he's got Trey Lance and he's got high competition for targets on a team that likes to run the ball and like him to block, where are we going with this? It, so it's tough. For me, for me, George Kittle is a number one tough, tough to rank. No, and I don't disagree with you. Uh, I agree with all your points. His cost hasn't gone down much. Uh, just, I mean, he feels like a buy in, in the off season because he's going to be like tight in five, six, seven. Right. The older he gets, I think the more that he's going to be more of a bridge guy. His price will come down uh, even more especially because you got guys like Pat Fryermuth. Mark Andrews has continued to stay in the top and pound the top. Right. Dallas Goddard, uh, TJ Hawkinson, those guys are, are right there. Uh, so it sounds like the way you're the way you're phrasing it, it sounds like he's almost closer to that last grouping you just said, the Hawkinsons, the Goddards of the world, than the Andrews, Kelsey, Pitts type stuff. I think so. Okay. And that's where, you know, I, I think he's going to settle in that mid, you know, the five, six, seven range, the, the mid, mid top 10. Um, yeah. So, so he's, he's a big one. And, and part of it is just the competition for targets. You know, this is not an offense that's going to throw the ball around, whether it's with Garoppolo, Purdy, uh, Trey Lance, mystery quarterback four, like whoever it is. I just don't think that they're going to a need to, or B want to start slinging it 38 times a game. All right. Uh, who is your second tight end this week? I mentioned him in passing, but Noah Fant, and he's another round one. Uh, he was 20th overall, so not as elite talent, but he's definitely got some skills. It's just so tough. He's finally with a quarterback that's having an outstanding year, but I don't know if it's the new team or what exactly. Right now, he sits at tight end 21, averaging 7.3 points per game. That's tight end 25 range. I'm sorry, tight end 21 range. And he had two seasons of tight end 11 and 12. 
His rookie season was tight end 25. Uh, 10.42 is his highest points per game in standard PPR, So you, which is tight end 11. Um, I've seen him as high as 8 and as low as 17 in the rankings. And so it's just all of those guys, though, from 7 through 17 are pretty much in the same type of boat. So that's the conundrum in ranking tight ends. You want them if it's start two or tight end premium, but how much do you want them and what's the replacement value uh, with somebody else? And he's got the big pedigree. You know, like we we say round one tight ends, just let's just collect them. Well, OJ Howard is a pretty cautionary tale of... I mean, he's on his way to being out of the league. And then Evan Ingram, we got a quote-unquote bounce back this year, but how great was it? You know, like the, oh, he's been relevant, he's been a streamer for us, but hasn't really, you know, been as much of, of an impact as we would have liked or we thought in a best case was possible. So you look at that and you say, there's some risk here because they're running a committee. Will Disley is playing a lot. You know, of, of, and, and you, one thing I was kind of thinking about today when we were putting together, you know, the show and the list and all this stuff was I wonder if they brought back Noah Fant, Noah Fant in the deal. And it was almost like Denver was like, well, we're not going to pay him, you know, after the contract. So I, I wonder if that was part of it that, eh, we're, we're kind of shedding. It wasn't like Seattle, we want Noah Fant. I think it, it might have been the other side of like Denver's like, eh, we're kind of looking to dump him because he's in a firm committee. He barely runs more routes than Will Disley. And I looked at I looked at the the contracts. Disley, Kobe Parkinson, Noah Fant, they play all three guys a decent amount. They're all back in 2023. So I, I don't think Disley's gonna be a cut. Like based on his contract, his dead money, all that stuff, he's gonna be there. And this points to looking at a lot of historical stuff for Noah Fant, the odds of him joining the halves which frankly we've t- discussed already in this show, if you don't get there, how much does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? We're talking one tight end. So I get, you know, in two tight end, obviously there's a little more security in some of these profiles and, and things like that. But still, if you finish tight end 16 in two tight end, it's not really moving the needle as much if you're a bigger name versus a lesser name. And, you know, the guys that did hit, they barely got to like tight end five, tight end six, tight end seven. So, this really points to Fant has a decent floor, but don't be surprised if he never gets home. Like the tight end, you said 10, 11, 12 that we've seen so far is the best from Noah Fant. That it's not going to be too much better. And I don't know how it gets better in Seattle. Competition for targets and the fact that they're running tight end by committee when they got around one guy as part of that committee. Not a good look. And if you want to give him a year one pass with a new team, I guess, but nothing's really going to change next year. And I'm not so sure that draft capital really matters as much at the tight end position as what most people think. You look at Mark Andrews, who is the youngest of the top three, and he's been consistent all Mm -hmm. except for his rookie season. Once you start producing, it doesn't matter. I mean, tight end it's so hard to produce that once you do, like a Darren Waller, you're just like, oh, we're doing this now. And we kind of adjust very rapidly to it. Exactly. And that's the thing. People adjusted quickly to Mark Andrews. I think that they have a harder time adjusting to guys that don't get there 
like right. the Noah fans, the name, the the draft capital, everything talks you into it year after year after year, and you keep holding the bag of nothingness. <laughs> like I've been tied in fourteen, but it's a pretty big tier. But I'm looking yeah. here, and there's a there is a, a pretty decent argument to have. For example, Mike Kosicki's a free agent. I think there are definite avenues that Mike Kosicki could outproduce Noah Fant, and it's not all that close over the next say couple of years because of what we've seen upside wise. And you know what? He gets a free crack at it. Noah Fant doesn't get to just go out there and find his spot. Evan Ingram found his spot and he found some production this year. Uh, Fant is kind of locked in. So that's not, that's not the greatest thing. We saw Gerald Everett, for example, find a greater situation this year through free agency. Um, so I could definitely see him Fant down near 20. I think it falls off pretty precipitously. So I wouldn't go too much farther but it's definitely a situation where if you had him in the top 10 to 12 before, uh, you know, or six months ago, definitely have to be recalibrating based on A, this season, B, how this season has turned out, and the fact that it's likely going to be pretty similar next year as well. So his free agency period or his change, good news is he's only 25. So he's still got like the window for tight ends historically are 25 to 30 for these peak and prime years. So he might get another bite at the apple, but how far does he fall market value and appeal wise? If he's 27, 28 years old, fresh opportunity. And we finally see Noah Fant that we expected five years before that. Uh, one more for me and uh, Darren Waller. Uh, I had a lot of concern in the off season, the Devante Adams edition was a big one for me. Darren Waller had the perfect formula before where if you get the big time tight end without a dominant wide receiver one and a good enough quarterback, that is the equation. That is the tractor beam signal to follow. And Darren Waller, he's been missing games, but you know what? He was tight in 12 in the opening month when he wasn't missing games. He's on the wrong side of 30. Devontae Adams, locked in. Hunter Renfro, locked in. And the historical comps, and again, I'm not going to... I don't blindly go by them, but I do use it as... Uh, some semblance of a guidepost. The, hor- the the comps are horrible. They stink when you fall from elite. He was elite, and now he fell. It's a month. We'll see what happens. He's I think he's expected to play this week or next week, uh, back from injury. But it's going to definitely be one of those incomplete years. On We got a little bit at the beginning, a little bit at the end, but Adam's not going anywhere. Renfro back healthy. That's a lot of competition for targets compared to Waller when he was in his heyday a few years ago. Yeah, and like you said, he's he's just turned 30, and, you know, this is a lost year. If you go into your 31-year-old season, Derek Carr isn't getting any better, uh, and he's got all those weapons he's got to feed. I don't know how you can have him over, say, Hawkinson or Goddard. Uh, you mentioned Fryermuth a couple times. I have David Njoku over him just because yeah. I think we see ceiling. You know, and if Waller's going to be, if over the next three years, you know, he's like the best season is like tight in eight, nine, 10. I mean, what are we doing? I mean, he's a big name, but I think the more you analyze it, he's a, he's more of a lower end bridge than he is something that is going to re challenge, like he did previously, re challenge some of the big boys at the position. Like, I actually, I know situations, you know, vary wildly, but I mean, that's why I, I give me a shot on George Kittle as opposed to Darren Waller. Just because I think, you know, the, it's, I, I see a younger player, a player that's probably going to hold on athletically a little better. And I, I just see a guy that can overcome his situation a little bit more. 
but uh but yeah waller's one that you know if you're if you're using uh stripes and and uh furs on the wall it would be probably higher than the tight end nine or ten i have them right now what do you think about uh what do you think about uh waller versus guys like cole Komet, dalton schultz mm. is that where the line falls for you i mean probably yeah because yeah. those are guys right behind him in my rankings and i'm like yeah that that's that was almost like a, a backstop of like i i i can't really validate having him any lower you know, like that eight, nine, ten. It really does fall off quite a bit. Um, is there any tight ends that we didn't mention uh, this week that you found ambiguous? Like they made your almost list for candidates this week? No, just a shout out to Pat Fryermuth, who has put together a couple of really good seasons. And looking forward, I mean, talk about someone who is on the right track and moving on up and could potentially join that top five, top six group. Um, imagine if imagine if he spent more of the time on the sidelines yelling get me the effing ball like some of his teammates <laughs> <laughs> imagine how many more balls he would get if he did that right do you think Kenny Pickett's <laughs> going to work out I I don't know probably not <laughs> probably not that's a good answer probably it was not, not a, it was not a good class to start with right and yeah the fact that everyone kind of faded him and yet we well faded the class and then he still goes, you know, in the first round. A lot of times those picks get over, you know, you draft the quarterback at 20, almost every one of them doesn't turn out like Aaron Rodgers. So right. it's usually it's usually those teams reaching on on players because it's like, well, we need quarterback. Well, we got some value here. So um yeah, he's not off to that great of a start. Right. Well, how do you? Uh, one last question for you. We'll get into the UTH best ball contest here in a minute and some closing thoughts. But uh, it kind of—I'm not gonna say it snuck up on me, but it, it just kind of hit me going through teams, starting to do some waivers this week. That got one week to go. This yeah. is it. We yeah. got one week in the regular season. You can now look firmly at okay, if I win, I'm in. If I win, but I need help by this other team losing or points or whatever, it really kind of hit me. Like every week now, you're gonna have less and less to do with your teams based on falling out of it or buys or whatever it is. We're now in that chunk of the season post uh, post Thanksgiving where every week things are changing and we're that much closer to the, to the off season. Yeah. I've got some leagues that are starting the playoffs this week and the rest of them next week. And just, it has been a very, very fast season. Do you have a, uh, do you have a player or two that when you're talking about, possibly churning out a spot for next year or the off season that you say, this is an interesting player that whether it's a free agent or impacted by free agency, or just a player that's been buried this year that you say, I either, maybe you stashed him two months ago, but you expected nothing for him this year, but you're expecting something, whether it's buzz or an uptick or an opportunity in 2023. Samir White. I would really like to see. I don't know if Josh Jacobs is going to be gone. Uh, he's had a heck of a season, but I would really like to see Zeus on the loose next year. I like it. Yeah, he really hasn't gotten much of a shake. Uh, it was more of a, the preseason, and they've been playing Amir Abdullah, Brandon Bolden. I mean, they've been right. going out of their way not to play Zamir White. And uh, yeah, if, if Jacobs is gone, you would think in house, you know, as a guy that. He probably got drafted there because of some medical stuff, and you know the talent is higher than fourth round pedigree, uh, you know by a lot of a lot of uh, expectations there. Um, yeah, um, and I would say 
in general, really, this is the week of churning out some players that might be for the now when you look and you go, okay, well, I was two games out uh, last week. I lost, so now I can't make the playoffs. Be proactive and make sure you're churning out your roster uh, quickly when you can't trade. And if you had some specific names that are only for this year that you you turn out, if it's you know trying to get guys like Kenny Wangwu or... Um, I'm trying to think of two or three others. You know, Ty Chandler was IR eligible on that same depth chart. Uh, Katie mentions Amir White, which would be pretty shallow uh, to to find him on the waiver wire. But look at guys uh, like, hey, Ronald Jones. You know, a guy that that could be on the move or a big enough name that you'd be interested to see what happens in free agency, or maybe he even pops in the Chiefs' uh, Super Bowl run. You know that. So think of scenarios like that so that you're optimizing every roster spot. And when you're eliminated. And especially after the trade deadline, that is the time to do and execute that uh, that plan of action, especially on your bench roster spots. Want to give a shout out here over uh, myfantasyleague.com that that powers and uh, hosts the UTH Best Ball Contest on an annual basis. We got Week 13 winner Mike E takes it down. Didn't even need two quarterbacks in his uh, in his lineup, but you know what? Jalen Hurts this past week he kind of counted as two quarterbacks, scoring 43 points. In the contest, he actually got Isaiah Pacheco and Jerk McKinnon into his lineup. Tony Pollard, yet another big game. Amon Ross St. Brown, he has been uh, he's been deuces uh, all year, and uh, has, didn't get a whole lot out of tight end. Uh, he's been missing David Njoku heavily, and Tyler Conklin, Austin Hooper, just four or five catches between them, but still was able to take down the contest. It was a low-scoring week. He bested everybody by about 20 points. So he is up to number three overall. We're seeing some separation. Joe Baird uh, is almost 100 points ahead of everybody. We'll call that pulling a Katie uh, here in 2022. Rod Romberg, Rombauer, excuse me, is number three, uh, number two. So we're getting some separation. So Joe, Rod, Mike, a little bit of Max there. Uh, some separation here, trying to take down the contest in the closing month or so of the contest. So congrats, congrats guys. And congrats Mike in week 13 for taking down the entire contest with the best score. I want to remind you between episodes, you can find Katie on Twitter at FF underscore Skylar 399. And with the transfer portal in full effect, uh, you got some Debbie questions. You want to contact the diva and uh, you want, you want uh, her, her commentary on, some players, some situations changing for us for future Devi 2023 NFL draft. We'll be there before you know it. It's already getting through December, and um, I'm getting excited uh, just thinking about all these new situations, draft class upon us, and uh, we do it all over again to build our best teams into 2023. Reminder, uh, no ads on the show, so if you want to support it, go over and become a General Manager Plus subs- a subscriber. And uh, things like, for example, uh, the film note show comes out every Monday morning uh, when there's no buys. It's definitely more than an hour. Try to keep it under an hour when I can, you get three to five, six, seven minutes on every single game. I watch every play, distill it down to the dynasty information you need to know for when you wake up on Monday mornings, you get that for the Monday night, uh, Monday night games, the Thursday night games and all, all throughout the playoffs. Uh, I kind of do a, as teams get eliminated, uh, a season ending, recap slash preview dynasty wise of what's ahead in the off season. So you get a lot of that in terms of a recap fashion, uh, trade calculator, trade, uh, uh, trade calculator and rankings. You get those updated every single week and as applicable in the off season when news happens, that means trade calculator values are, uh, changing until next time for Katie, myself, Chad Parsons, never settle, refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.